In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. This time we've got a head for business and a bod for sin. And once we stare forlornly... <laughs> oh, Lord. And once we stare forlornly out over the water, we'll introduce our guests, Josh Kaufman and Gretchen Crawl. Josh and Gretchen, is Working Girl a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Josh? I believe it definitely should be remade. Gretchen? I could see it being remade in the future for sure, but I love it the way it is. So Josh, you're a should be and Gretchen, you're a will be? Yes. Yeah, makes sense. All right, great. Thank you both for being guests (laughs) on my show. So I guess now tell me a little bit about yourselves. Gretchen, you go first. Awesome. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian here in Los Angeles and comedic actor and... Theater major, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I love all of those things. <laughs> Lived in New York not too long after Working Girl was a thing, so. <laughs> uh, Josh, who are you? Well, uh, I'm also a stand-up comedian. I don't know how fast Sam will get around to editing this program, uh, but you can catch me Sunday the 9th. This at- episode will come out on the 24th of June. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I had... Thoughts of self, what's the term, Um, you know, self-promotion, like, in my head, but that's out the window right now. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah, shameless. I was going to do shameless. Shameless self-promotion? Self-promotion, yeah. And your show was going to, would have, is, was great. And I am, was happy to, will have, have been there. Right. So, um... (laughs) By the time you're listening to this, Sam will have told me what he thought of the show because he will have been in the audience. Right, Sam? On June 9th? On June 9th. The day I'm celebrating my birthday? Well, what better way to celebrate (laughs) than a night of laughter? A laughter and a two-drink minimum. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. uh, There's mozzarella sticks too. You can't go wrong with mozzarella sticks. I went to your last show at Flappers. <laughs> no, no, this is at the Ice House. Uh, oh, that's Pasadena. Pasadena. the Ice House. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually so I did improv in Pasadena for like a year and a half, two years, and the joke that our host Bill always made at the end of the show was, "If you enjoy the show, we've been the sauce, and if you didn't enjoy the show, thank you for coming to the Ice House." Because <laughs> we were not performing at the Ice House. <laughs> But I don't know. It was good. It was fun. I, yeah, it's a good venue. Um, I that believe is a good it's venue. the uh, oldest comedy club in America. Oh, that's how they build themselves, at least. Yeah, and they're not the Catskills. And they're not the Catskills. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, and I also do um, writing, comedy, sketch writing, and toil away during the days as a reality TV writer. Amazing. A reality a TV writer. What? That's a little... Uh... Crazy talk. Yeah. I love it. So then, Josh, what was your first... Because you were the one who originally pitched this movie. What is your first experience with uh, working Wow. Girl? I believe, full disclosure, I am over 30. 
I might have seen this when it came out in the theater. Ooh. Yeah. So it's just yeah. always like, did you, and you went to the theater like, I'm going to go see Working Girl. It's going to be great. It's the new thing. You know, it's the no, new I, think, I think I went with friends. And at the time, it was a very popular movie. It's got really good write-ups by the critics. This was Melanie Griffith's first starring role. Mm-hmm. It was also Harrison Ford's first role as a romantic lead. And so, you know, I grew up on Star Wars. My friends grew up on Star Wars. Now here we are, you know, like late middle school, early teenage years. And it just seems something so different for him. And, of course, Sigourney Weaver, who was also a huge star by this time. It had a lot of star power. And uh, I think that's why we went. I think we went for the cast. As a teenager, I think that's why we went that's for the cast. good enough reason. And not for all the, like, movie. Oscar nominations that didn't woo you as a teenager. Was this well, nominated for any Oscars? Yes. Really? Who was nominated? Uh, Best Picture, Melanie Griffiths, Griffith was nominated. Sigourney Weaver, I think they were nominated in the same category. Carly mm-hmm. Simon won for Best Song. Oh. I believe it was up for Best Script and Best Director. That's why I... <laughs> I'm surprised we're sitting here a little bit. That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> Um, it won Golden Glo- It won awards too. I bet it did. <laughs> so, Gretchen, what's your first experience with uh, Working Girl? I don't think I saw it as soon as it came out, but I remember watching it with my mom. It may have been a family movie. We used to do family movie night, but for sure, my mom and I watched it. And I remember my mom explaining to me the MTA strike in New York. And that's why Melanie Griffith is wearing her sneakers and having to change into her heels. And like, that's what the girls did in the city. And I couldn't wait to move to New York. I was sold. (laughs) That's kind of great. So obviously the first time I watched this movie was for this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember texting you both that this was the most 80s thing that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Ever. Uh... Well, you know what, though? Like, I, I'm going to argue in terms of hair, fashion, makeup. Oh, my God. This, yes, might be the most 80s thing <laughs> any of us have ever seen. But I think one of the reasons why I liked rewatching this is just how well the script held up. And it still felt to me very modern, or the script felt very modern, even though it is kind of trapped in this 80s world. I somewhat agree with you. I'm a little bit... I It, it doesn't feel quite modern to me, especially Tess's relationship with Mick felt mm-hmm. a little bit trapped in the past because... Oh, no. Some girls just get suckered in, and they're so afraid of getting out of a... <laughs> They're so happy to have something that they won't leave the bad thing. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. But I, it all, and while I'm sure that that's true in reality, it's the sort of thing that I feel like a lot of entertainment is shying away from promoting. Yes. That I would like agree in, with. in modern movies, her friends wouldn't be like, you have to go back to him. You were so good together. Yeah. Stay at the bar. Yeah. He'll be fine. He was cheating on me. Why would you want to ruin my party? <laughs> Which again, in reality, I'm sure that happens all the time. But in in our ideal worlds that we create through cinema, I feel like that's the sort of thing we'd be like. Well, I, okay, I, I can I can see that, and I also think we have an awareness now, especially in entertainment, that women are not supposed to cut down other women, and I feel like 
a trope in entertainment until very recently was women being very competitive and not necessarily, you know, and of course, with the whole Sigourney Weaver storyline, you know, how I I don't know. I, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know how modern it would be to show a woman undercutting another woman and trying to ruin her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought of that now. What was interesting for me, and because honestly, that felt like a product of its time, and I feel like it'd be different a little bit now, but one of the things that annoyed me as well, because that, that was my first, my second was, Tess is going out and pitching this idea. It's a good idea. She's promoted it. She's done the research. She's clearly very smart. And she gets involved with this guy who happens to be the guy that Catherine is seeing and in love with. And I get that that's the contrivance of, uh, of the movie, but I was listening to something recently where we were talking about how when movies were easily willing to believe the impossible, it's the improbable that often throw us. And the fact that it was just this coincidence of this is the guy she's pitching and it's also her boss's boyfriend that that was the contrivance I didn't quite buy. But I also get like, it's a movie. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. If they're going to be competing in business, they're also going to be competing in love. And look, mm-hmm. it's Harrison Ford. Who wouldn't mm-hmm. be competing for that? Who is shirtless for quite a bit of this movie. And they applaud him for that. Yeah. That's, I that, admit, was, that was a great part of the 80s. <laughs> well, that I mean. was a legitimately funny moment. Like this moment where like, like he's just, he's getting changed to his office and everyone can see him. I'm like, this is and weird. And they applaud and he it's, just kind of like acknowledges it. Well, he's yeah. okay with it. Because I, th- I thought they were just going to be like, oh, okay, they're just watching him undress. But no, they acknowledge yeah. the fact that they're watching him undress. And I thought that was amazing. Well, and it's great because you have the scene at the beginning of the movie with... Well, just anything with Tess and dealing with all the men in business, um, I think it's a great counterpart to that. It shows that women also got to do a little of their fun mm-hmm. in terms of sexual harassment, I guess. I guess. I, I mean, don't, it's a harassment seems strong, but it, their objectification. Yes, although all of hers were revenge plays, which I guess also isn't great, but... I mean, because it was the dude who pimped her out to Kevin Spacey, right? Which, by the way, can we keep mm-hmm. that casting? Because that's perfect. <laughs> Kevin Spacey snorting cocaine and watching porn <laughs> in the back of a limo. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> even after He didn't even years. have to act. He just showed yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the things that I laughed at. That it was, I think it was like, well, Kevin Spacey sexually harassing uh, someone. In five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <It's>, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I didn't take notes on that. But yeah, like that was one of the things that I thought where it was just... I also think I read somewhere, maybe it was IMDb, that he um, was cast last minute. Oh. That the character, that the actor booked for that part fell out at the last minute. And Mike Nichols had worked with him before on another movie. Hmm. And Kevin Spacey learned the script on the way over to set. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Spacey's an awful garbage human being. Is a good actor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but uh, no. Although I didn't recast that character. I just made a note that, like, that has to stay in because it's just too perfect. I mean, we, it can stay in. I'm fine with that, but it can't be Kevin Spacey. Why not? Why not? Because That's we can't cast Kevin Spacey anymore because he's a bad person. Has that been right. proven yet in court? Or? Yes. Oh. Uh, fine. But fine. It, 
But it's also like, you can get good people to play bad people, but I don't want to bring in a bad person to play a bad person because then you make everyone uncomfortable who has to work with them. It's the whole Emma Thompson uh, comment on why she left, uh, I think, Luck or Lucky or whatever it is, where like it was John Laster was being brought in to be mm. the producer. And she's like, you can pay me extra money to be on this, but are you paying mm. the PAs extra money? Are you paying the assistants? Are you paying the costumers? Are you paying the designers? Unless you are making sure that it is okay with everyone else on set, just confirming it with me is not good enough to bring in this person who is a proven, demonstrable, not a good person. I agree mm-hmm. with that, but in my imaginary world of this imaginary casting, I want to keep Kevin Spacey as himself. Can't do it. It's not <laughs> ideal. Mm-hmm. And that's how it would read. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey as himself. Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay, fine. Yeah, no. Uh, only people who are not monsters. Like, in effect, if I could cast uh, Keanu Reeves in every role, I'd do it. But I didn't cast him in anything in this movie. Because he's one of the people who's good, and all the stories about him are positive. Right. Gary yeah. Sinise, same thing. Yeah. Gary Sinise is one of those people who everyone says Gary Sinise. I'm like, uh-huh. And then I immediately, the picture of him in my brain disappears, and I can't remember who he is. Lieutenant Dan. Oh, okay, yeah. Everyone says great things about him. Genuinely one of the nicest people on this planet. Everyone says amazing things about him. And, like, they go see his band, and it's amazing. And it love Okay, I just looked him up, and yes, now now I know who he is. Yeah. Uh, NCIS? Yeah. Uh, is that what he was on? Or it was one of the... Uh, um, SVU? No. Criminal um, Minds. That was uh, it. Okay, all right, Criminal Minds. Oh, and CSI. No. Oh, CSI is the one I was thinking of. He's had a very long career. Mm-hmm. It's done very well for himself. So it's yes. kind it's of good like for Dan. someone who does CSI and Criminal Minds, that's kind of like a hat wearing a hat. <laughs> I, bet, I bet it's easy to cast because it's one of those things where if you can find thing to, things to enjoy in that, I bet it's still an easy job. Doesn't yeah. have to doesn't have to doesn't have to dig that deep. Right. Right. <laughs> Basically. He's done that role before. Yeah. Yeah. If David could if David Caruso can do it, so can you. So can anyone. I don't get that reference. Oh, David Caruso was on one of the CSIs, and oh, every Andy. line reading was exactly the same. Was it really? He always talks like this. I think we have a murder on our hands. I think we should get Subway for lunch. Oh. Every line reading is wow. exactly the same. That's troubling. Right? As, Not as a lot an actor of and performer. As an actor, I just yeah. lost faith in... And yet he keeps getting cast. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm still waiting tables, so, you know. <laughs> so then let's start with this. What are the favorite moments, other than the entire thing, Gretchen? <laughs> what are What are your favorite moments in this movie that, like, Harrison Ford getting changed and then the... And then the well, that reminds me... Wanting. Remember the Diet Coke commercial with Lucky back in the day? That's what that reminded me of. There was a Diet Coke commercial where the guy, the construction worker, is all hot and sweaty and the girls are watching in the office and drinking oh, their Diet yeah. Coke. I do remember Or that. he opens a Diet Coke. Yeah. His name is Lucky? His name is Lucky. Like a stripper? <laughs> yeah, he actually used to own a restaurant on Hollywood Boulevard called Lucky Doubles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, indeed. Yes. Sorry. So, yes, Harrison Ford shirtless. Love that. Keep, <laughs> let's keep that. <laughs> you know, I love the opening shot because I think it thematically sets up New York as a character. And the idea of the classes in New York and that you have to take a ferry to go from the outer boroughs to this world capital. I really think that the movie is really well directed. That Mike Nichols did a really good job with that. And uh, there's so many iconic images like that in this film. I think that's one of my favorite moments. Setting up how he's able to set up New York as a character. Okay, great. Um, I 
agree with all of that. I think that there, I mean, honestly, there was a lot of good things in terms of the direction. Like, I don't know why Mike Nichols all of a sudden triggered something in my brain. Cause I definitely was having a conversation about Mike Nichols the other day, but I think it was about this movie. Oh, Mike Nichols did the birdcage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's a fun movie. But he's also done like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes. So uh. it's like, he's a, uh, he's very versatile. He's good at getting, like, the drama and finding the comedic elements. Like, Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford, when he gets... uh, Melanie Griffith passes out at the cocktail party, and he takes her back to his house, and she's just slumped in the chair, and he's still trying to have a conversation with her. Mm. Can I get you a cup of tea? Coffee? That was so (laughs) weird. I See, I find it... I I thought it was cute. It's just sort of showing his awkwardness and, like, I want to try and do the right thing, which for 1988 was huge. It absolutely Mm -hmm. was, and I completely agree with that notion. If it were me now, I would have him moving around, doing other things in the apartment, and keep trying to address her. Nope, you're still passed out. Like, if he's sitting in the chair opposite her, looking directly at this passed out woman trying to talk to her, he looks like a crazy person to me. That's fair. But I love the idea that he keeps trying to talk to her, and she's oh right, you're you're not awake. Mm-hmm. But I also agree, like he did the nice thing. He had no idea who she was because no names. I think because mm-hmm. of the, the the nervous energy he has. Yeah, like mm-hmm. just you can tell he's like I don't know what to do, I, and I don't want to do. Do bad I put her to bed? And I don't know <laughs> if I do. Do I leave the dress on? Uh, uh-huh. I'm just gonna make tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree yeah. with all of that. Uh, Coffee, tea, me. Oh my That's God. a line from Sin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which she says to the both Harrison Ford and she, <laughs> she says tries to, to say she it to the woman. It to the woman. <laughs> and she just like dismisses it. Who is Nora Dunn? But by the way, this whole cast is just, I mean. Oh, I may not have. I don't think I recast her. Oh no, but I'm just like initially like watching it now. It's like that's Nora Dunn and like uh, Ricky Lake is in it and Amy Aquino. There's mm. so many great character actors that make appearances. In well, this. I mean, even the dude who was the pimp at the beginning is uh, Oliver, Oliver Platt, Platt, who mm-hmm. I've used as recasting on this podcast before because he's still great. He's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, the one woman towards the end that she ends up working with, I'm like, why do I know her? And I looked her up. She's now Shirley Maisel. She's the mother-in-law to comedian Mrs. Maisel. Interesting. That's wild. Yes. So I'm like, this just, it blows my mind every time I I watch I mean, that's kind of great because I thought she, like, that that actress at the very, very end did an amazing job. And I love that switch Mm -hmm. where, although I'm completely on Tessa's side because, uh, oh wait, that Trask comes in and says, he says, entry level, Mm -hmm. of course. And she goes, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And then it's obviously not an entry level position. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, she's got, or unless it is, and damn. But, like, she's got the assistant, she doesn't know, and she's in the wrong office, and I thought that was That's amazing. not the Mrs. Maisel woman, but yes, I love oh. that scene. That what woman are you talking is, about? Um, she's one of the receptionists, or she's one of the other people in the office when she's working for Catherine still. Ah, okay. One of the very mm-hmm. New York, like, oh my god, da-da-da. Oh, for sure. One of those. Uh, but no, that actress, she's one of those character actresses that's in... I'm just going to ignore the motorcycles driving by at this point. I'm sure it'll be fine. Alrighty. She, her name's Amy Aquino, and she works all the time. So yeah. She's one of those. Mm-hmm. I recognize the name, so yeah. she must. Mm-hmm. I forget what else she was on, but anyway. Josh, what's something from this movie that you really want to hold on to? I really want to hold on to the friendship between Tess and Sin. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'll go into this more when I talk about the casting, but there still is an idea of resentment of trying to break past your position in life. Mm-hmm. I agree with and that. And how, you know, Sin still feels, at least at the beginning, that 
one should not try to better themselves necessarily above their lot. But I think in the end, she comes around. Because she's uh, so genuinely happy for her friend, and it's yeah. amazing. Well, yes. she sees that it worked, too. That yeah. Day. I mean, yeah. you know, that she didn't end Helps. up in jail. <laughs> yes. Right. But I agree with that, because there's all, there's always... Because we just, we as humans certainly have that moment where someone who's our... We start working for someone who's our age or younger than us. Most or of my managers are younger, younger than me Younger sibling or cousin <laughs> or something starts being really successful. I also love the idea, along those lines, how... Catherine and Tess are also the same age. Yeah. Uh, and showing the different paths mm-hmm. that they took to get where they are. Well, well and how it was kind of handed to Catherine to a certain extent. That's what I was going to say, because mm-hmm. it's absolutely to your point of Tess is having to take the, yeah. the ferry. She grew up blue collar on Staten mm-hmm. Island, and Catherine obviously grew up on the Upper East Side mm-hmm. going to the prep school mm-hmm. or even went off Wellesley. to a boarding school. And yeah. yeah. And this is like literally the last possible job Tess can have before her temp agent quits <laughs> well, it's also yeah and so this is a little bit of a tangent i don't know if this will make it in the show or not but i was talking to a co-worker no you i was talking to you oh. <laughs> i was talking to gretchen yesterday about her experience at uh Sotheby's. oh yes i uh, was melanie griffith and working girl legit oh <laughs> well but how some industries like mm-hmm. finance or like art or like um auction uh auction houses purposely self-select. So in the case of Sotheby's, Mm -hmm. they purposely make the starting salary so low that the only people that can really afford to do it are people who already have a little bit of a silver spoon. Someone who can afford to live on, you know, 18 or 20 grand a year and still have because the killer wardrobe. Because they won't really be living on 18 to 20 grand a year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They've exactly. got a little trust fund to dip into. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact that Tess couldn't, I imagine, afford to go to a Columbia business school. You know, like, there's already a self-selection right there in the finance industry. Going off on a little tangent, aren't I? You are, but, but I... I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit because we don't see really anyone's family. I don't think Mm -hmm. we should. I don't think that's necessary. But especially the way movies are made now, if you're making a movie about a woman in New York, you're going to meet that woman's mother. I'm sorry. You're going to meet that woman's mother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I honestly think it's better that we don't meet Tess's parents because theoretically if you're implying that that's not like her parents aren't really involved in the picture and she's literally having to do all of this on her own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. presumably they're not supportive of it. They're probably like sin where it's like, yeah, why do you why need bother? to, why bother? We had a great job for you at the diner. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got that great job in the city. What's wrong? You've got the steady income, mm-hmm. good insurance. Why do you need more One, than that? Someday you'll marry Mick and you'll be happy. Yeah. Womp womp. Just like I am with your mother. Shut up already! <laughs> <laughs> you know, the classic joke that everyone's super excited to see every day. But then clearly the, the Sigourney Weaver character, like, even when she's, like, resting and recuperating, she has all of these people just coming and doting on her and fawning on her because, oh, her... Fancy high-end skiing friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I love, there's that moment where she's getting the boots ready to go on the trip. And she goes, oh, remember when all you had to do was a couple buckles? And Tess is like, yep, sure. <laughs> okay, those are the days. <laughs> it's like, 
Clearly, I'd never gone skiing. Catherine's just clueless, too, as to what, yeah, I think other people Or not. I I don't know if she was clueless. I think it might have been a a dig. She also clearly was one of those people who delighted in, like, I'm better than you. Yes. Yes. I've actually done the scene where they meet each other in an acting class, and we've done, like, both parts. Oh, yeah? Both parts are really difficult, because you want Mm. to play so hard into the obvious, Mm -hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver like really nails the subtle like oh that's great oh we're the same age oh I'm younger than you I guess I am mm. Mm-hmm. it's one of those <laughs> very much you can just the just the sense of entitlement just emanates out from her mm-hmm. like oh she brought me this idea well I deserve it I'm yeah. great and I'll I'll get her back one of these days. Maybe I'll give her a a, 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 a little bit of a raise. <laughs> mm-hmm. But well, to me, it made me wonder how much has she even maybe done this in the past? Like, has she? How much has she not earned what she's been given? Well, I've got, I yeah. like to think that there's got to be a reason why this was the bottom of the barrel job. Like, this was the last job Tess is able to get, and I'm guessing it's because some of the other assistants may not have had nice things to say about Sigourney Weaver. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Hard to say. But I don't know. It's interesting. And I agree. Like the dynamic between these two women is super fascinating, but it, it doesn't dip into the stereotypical, which is good because that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with the woman who wrote and directed the spy who dumped me. And she talks about how the Kate McKinnon character and the Mila Kunis character in most movies, there'd be a point of the movie where they're fighting with each other because uh, girls always fight with each other. And she's mm-hmm. like, it was a really big point for me that that can never happen. That no matter what happens, they're friends and they support each other. Mm-hmm. Crazy shit's going on all over the place. But at the, at the, at, if nothing else, these two women are there to support each other. Which is even more amazing because there was so much trauma happening that that's when you're going to lose it. Of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, well, hey, I love that movie. And yeah. Past casting. If you, if you like that, that, another shameless plug, go see, go see Booksmart. Yeah. Which has the same theme of no matter what, women have to support each other. Oh, I love it. I, I've been hearing nothing but amazing things about I've Booksmart. I've heard really good things mm-hmm. about Booksmart. I, I do want to see Booksmart. I need to see Booksmart and apparently I need to see Aladdin. But really? I keep hearing good things about Aladdin, too. Yeah. I, I gotta give it a chance. I'm not excited about it. I'm excited about the Lion King remake. I am not excited about that. Only, but uh-huh. I am only because John Favreau is doing it, and I love what he did with the Jungle Book. That's reboot. the thing. And the, I think he did Pete's Dragon, too. I can't remember. I don't know. I didn't see mm-hmm. Pete's Dragon, but I Both loved, I loved Jungle Book. I thought Jungle Book was an amazing remake because the original Jungle Book doesn't have much of a story, and it's, well, let's do a story. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, the amazing, but the original Lion King has a, has a great story. Yeah. I don't know. At getting off track, and especially when this comes out in a month, it's going to be a super relevant point of order. Right. <laughs> Future Gretchen, Josh, and Sam will be like, Ha-ha, those fools. Right. <laughs> Which is why I always leave those bits in. Like, oh. <laughs> time has not been good to that bit. Uh, but, okay. So we've talked about the things that we like. What are the things that you don't like other than the hair? <laughs> well, I didn't say I didn't like the hair. I just said... I don't think we it can ever go back. It was very dated. Yes, very dated. Can't go back. Can never Can't go back. And that's DOS, man. <laughs> yes, and the uh, the speed with which the computers were running. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Watching those pieces of machinery was rough. But uh, like story-wise, script-wise, what, what could use some changing? Story-wise, script-wise, what could use some changing? So... That sort of goes into my casting, but I don't know if it's too 
early. Can, we, can you talk around it at all or not really? Or we'll just get into it when we get to casting. We'll, we'll circle back. Yeah, around. don't we'll worry about it. Yeah, circle back to that. Gretchen, I know this movie is perfect in your eyes, but clearly <laughs> there, now it's not there a must be some movie. So in your eyes, the only thing that this could that they could change about this movie is it should have won the award. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Um, I'm trying to think. What could use some changing? Well, I think just yeah, the dynamic that perhaps um, Tess and Catherine. Maybe it's not animosity. Maybe. It's one thing to be an authoritative boss. It's uh, and to be in charge. It's another to be stealing the ideas and sure. undermining. And well, I liked that because you think it's going to be oh supportive. Yeah, yeah, you need it. That's the thing. Like in this script, you have you, to have it. That literally, that's your conflict. Yeah, but I, but that that's what I'm saying is that this movie kind of tends to avoid like the them just being bitchy at each other until Act Three, and in Act Three is kind of where I'm like, okay. Like, when Sigourney Weaver busts into the board meeting. Which, yeah, it's kind of not believable for her character with her, like, classy upbringing. I feel like she would, I don't know, blow up someone's computer or do something more passive-aggressive. Oh, oops, I I threw it out the window. I mean, it Uh fell. She's also probably never been challenged before, though. She hasn't, but she busts in in such a way that, like, I couldn't believe that anyone in that meeting was, would like, believe her. Um, security? A crazy mm-hmm. lady's come up here and started shouting things. And yeah, how come security couldn't catch up to her with her gimpy leg yeah. up until that Stop. point? <laughs> but she also does bust tests. She does. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and, and that's I, right. It's like one of those scenes that's necessary because that's how it all comes out. But I'm sure there's another way to go I think about the resolution it. of the scene is necessary, but I don't think the execution of the scene is necessary. That's what I'm trying because to say. Because I'm agreeing with you. I think yeah. it could be a little bit more subtle, a little bit more, oh, she ain't seen n- 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 nothing yet. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's like the thing is, at the end of the day, Tess doesn't know this world as well as... I'm not going to make the Bane reference, but... Uh, you go into the darkness, but I was. You go into the darkness, but I was born there. Uh, whatever, huh. uh, and because literally that's what Sigourney Weaver is like. Like she would know. Oh well, I can do this mm-hmm. and like figure out a way around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or well, now with technology, she probably would be able to like. Their computers and phones would probably be synced, so Tess could actually help run Catherine's life. Mm-hmm. So Catherine would probably like it would actually be a very different movie if they. I actually it. did. I have one t- technology update. Please. So the other contrivance in the movie is that Catherine has a big skiing accident. She's laid up. That's why she can't show herself at any of these functions. Right. In my remake, Catherine would be having. A little cosmetic procedure, <laughs> which also gives her an excuse. Oh, well, she can't do a Skype. She can't do any video Oh, that's a that's good point. That's really good. Right. And it also plays into her character. Like, she thinks that she has to maintain mm-hmm. a certain, certain appearance. Yes. So she goes in for a procedure. She can even still say that, it, oh, poor uh, Catherine was in a skiing accident. But really, right. this but really, is what's happening. Yeah. And then you see her, like, bandaged face yeah. in the next She's just scene. Down, which I would love to actually see her bust in to the meeting with, <laughs> like, the nose brace. Still. Oh, my God. That would actually be hilarious. Like, if everything but the nose brace. Yes. Is <laughs> that's, that's an amazing... That's a really that's great... That's really good. I like that a lot. Because then smart, that yeah. being said, like, Tess would have to be careful and not have social media. I don't... 
Yeah. Like, you couldn't be calling and RSVPing on behalf of someone. But I also don't think that these big sort of meetings are done via Facebook invite. They're not done via right. Facebook invite, but a lot of people do Google, like, like Tess Outlook. McGill, who will I be meeting, mm-hmm. and let me find out more about this person. What And That's they true. will do an mm-hmm. image search. But it also could very much be, like, I know people who are assistants who have full access to their boss's email. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the point where they are the person really responding via email and the boss basically never checks. Because if I was laid up getting lasers pointed at my face, I would just be eating delicious food and, or sorry, eating delicious smoothies because I can't move my face uh, and, and <laughs> listening to podcasts or watching TV just because like you just, uh, you will be me for these, this, these week to two weeks and yeah. just completely right. so, mm-hmm. social media cut off. Like the only thing that Tess has to do that's silly is Tess has to pretend to be Catherine on Instagram like, oh, make Catherine look Here's like a she's... a picture of my coffee. Oh, yeah. Has, yeah. has to Photoshop her into skiing mm. things. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'd be cool. That's like that. brilliant, too. I love that idea. Yes. Yes. Something to, to fake the environment. Catherine, what are you doing here? According to your Instagram, you're still on Mount whatever. You know, that could also be... I don't know if this would be a scene where uh, she has to uh, somehow Photoshop her with her boyfriend... And then discovers that that's... That's how she discovers. Yeah. Interesting. There's a lot you could do with the social media angle on this. Yeah, absolutely. Which also sort of goes into my other idea, but I'm going to save save that until I talk about the casting. Okay. Interesting. Well, even with social media, it's harder to have an affair. So the whole thing with Mick would potentially go down differently. I mean, it's Uh, still possible to... It's possible to get around it, but when I got cheated on, I found out on Facebook. Mm. I lo- I still love the scene where she walks in on the though. Yes. I, I And he's like, it's not what it looks like. Well, <laughs> you know what it is. But And then he like, like let's just talk. chases out after her, like, no, baby, I still love you. <laughs> just the perfect epitome of like of that type of dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, all of a sudden this sure thing because we were talking about this yesterday also, like, all of a sudden this sure thing is gone. You're like, wait, wait, no. I needed that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the woman I feel really bad for is, uh, what was her name? Doreen. Doreen. I feel bad for Doreen. Why do you feel bad for Doreen? Because literally, Doreen is, because maybe Doreen likes him, maybe not, but literally they're in the middle of sex and he leaves to go profess his love to another woman. She can't be that surprised. I mean, Doreen was in the friend group, so she kind of knew, but like also, yeah. I mean, and then Doreen sticks with him. Yeah, she sticks Mm -hmm. with him because she's running his phones. In his boat. In the boat. It's weird. I, that's not a euphemism either. <laughs> Anyone who's never seen the movie but is listening to this. Yep. I don't know. I just felt bad for her. You're um, a very nice person. I guess. <laughs> you don't feel like maybe they kind of deserve each other? Yeah, they that's kind of how, seem perfect together. Like she's cheating on her friend and he's cheating on... Yeah, the fact it's girl, the same you know, friend circle. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's some rando... I, it's one of those situations where they maybe, maybe they deserve each other and maybe they're enjoying the moment, but it doesn't feel like something where that, it seems like a short-term thing as opposed to any long-term happiness. So. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or they get married, but it lasts like three years yeah. just past her having Or it lasts one forever kid. and they're miserable. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel bad in that situation. Yeah. 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 I don't know. He just, he just seemed like more of an asshole. <laughs> He's much nicer in Beetlejuice. Huh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 
He's much nicer in a lot of things. But, I mean, I like Alec Baldwin, but yeah. Yeah. He was right casting. Oh, it was at, great casting. At the time. I, I do a little different type of person. But is there anything else in terms of, like, script? Like, what would you say is the essence of Working Girl? It's just this cooperation. And it's, it's a woman who, a blue-collar woman struggling to survive in a white-collar world. Well, and I think it's even her trying to break out of the norm. Like, there's kind of that path that you're born into that I, a lot of people assume they are stuck on that path. Yeah. And she's trying to pave her own road. Even how many times mm. in the movie does she even say, I have to break the rules. I mm-hmm. can't follow the rules or I'm going to still be yeah. here. Actually, I think it's one of the last lines that she has with Trask when she says, um, it's easy to break the rules when it's someone like you. Once you've achieved power, once you've achieved success. For someone like her, she has to bend the rules in order to even get there. Yeah. I, I thought and that risk was everything. Line. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think that that, I think that's the thesis of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I would say is, I, they don't include this in the movie because it's not particularly sexy, but I mean, she achieves all of this through incredibly hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's mm-hmm. not necessarily a super genius. I think she's just the person who works super duper hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see like her doing her job, but we don't see her doing these extracurriculars sitting in a room full of paperwork trying to figure out how it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when she was kind of explaining how she had the idea to go after radio, she's like, well, I was reading page six and it came to me this, this and this. No, I want to see her like digging through mm-hmm. spreadsheets and figuring it out the way the market is going. I mm-hmm. want her in like 2008 predicting the housing crash before it happens. Because oh. mm-hmm. I want her to be doing this work and I want her to earn it. I don't want it to be something like, well, I kind of stumbled on the information. And again, brilliant. She figured it out. She pieced it together. But I want us to be impressed by the work this woman is doing. And I want us to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, because work is cool, kids. One of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that I, That's what I would like mm-hmm. to see. I mm-hmm. took it as we just don't see her in like the night classes and all of that. But the fact that she's been reading, you get the idea that she's constantly reading something, no matter what. And then that's how, like, she's been following the Trask thing mm-hmm. and the different markets mm-hmm. and all of that on the one end. And then on the other end, it's like, oh, and his daughter's getting married. And oh, she has got a fundraiser. And oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, huh, this could all mm-hmm. work. Like, she's just smart enough. Like, And that's where her being a woman is different because I don't know that many men would be reading page six, which is a gossip column for anyone who doesn't know. Of course. I don't know that many men would be reading it. The women are. So she's got her feet in, like, both... Pools, Absolutely, so to speak, which I kind of love. That and it's mm. the street smarts with her book smarts kind of coming together. And I honestly think we could save some time if because what because her the job she has at the beginning where she's kind of like the rolling stock ticker or whatever it is her her first job, I, I, she could very easily be someone who's just rolling calls and like connecting people to, to different places in a company, just secretarial work. And then while she's on the phone, because that doesn't really require any brain power, she's sitting there with both the Wall Street Journal. And people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. watching the ticker. And watching the ticker. Yeah. And she's just doing all of it at once. And we just see this. It's never commented on. Yeah. Like, Sin is like, so which one are you reading now? Well, this is really interesting. But also, did you hear? Mm-hmm. And, like, going back and forth. Because you're exactly right. Yeah. She lives in both worlds. That being one doesn't preclude being the other. But most people think that way. I know. That's why I think it's interesting if we show that it's not so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the movie holds up. I mean, shoulder pads and mall bangs aside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh. it's it, it's a I 
I enjoyed the movie, mm-hmm. and it's a fun movie, but it's why it's a movie that I think should be remade yeah. because I, I think too. that all of the ideas in the movie are, still apply, and yes. the plot of the movie is still interesting. I would so, just like to see it in a modern context. So when you asked earlier if it should be remade or not, and I said yes, I actually think that the time is ripe for a remake of this movie with the whole Me Too movement. I agree. I'm Absolutely. kind of shocked that kind of shocked it hasn't been done already. So. Gretchen might talk about this a little bit when we get into casting, but she was telling me a little bit about how you didn't go with either of the two actresses, right? Huh? Oh, no, it's not who you probably are thinking. Well, we were talking yesterday because uh, Gretchen had mentioned that she was considering, oh, just making it Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively because it'd be a super fun thing. And like that's in my oh, head. I'm like, Blake yes. Lively would be really good mm-hmm. at being like just a little bitchy and that subtle sort of like I could see her, you know, doing it. Yeah. Like, Sigourney Weaver does. And then I thought, oh, they already did that. They did that movie within (laughs) the last year. Right. No Uh, wonder it's brilliant casting. uh, (laughs) So this is a movie very much like some of the other movies we've talked about where they've done soft reboots where it's the same idea but somewhere else. It's a a remake Mm -hmm. in everything but name. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but or it's called like stock market lady or <laughs> I don't know. Dreams do come true. I'm gonna let you go, come up with another one. I'm gonna uh. stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, something yeah. like that and sassy secretary. Yes. Oh no, that sounds like it'd be something that Kevin Spacey's playing in the limo. Huh. Yeah, probably. You know, I bet there was a porn version done of this at some point. Yeah, you just call it Working Girl. Yeah. Oh. Boom. The funny thing is that because this is the second episode that's coming out in June, both June episodes are girl episodes. So I've got Tank Girl and Working Girl. Oh. Nice. You should do Pretty Woman after this. I should. Plus, am I totally on another planet, but at some point hasn't Working Girl also been used as a euphemism for a prostitute? It 100% has. Yes. And I, that can't be accidental, right? In the titling of this movie? I don't know. That would be interesting. That'd be an interesting etymological study because I don't know the answer to that. I really have no idea. Yeah, just huh. food, food for thought. I, but that brings up a good question of if you're remaking this movie and because Working Girl now means something else... It now means Pretty Woman. Basically, yeah. <laughs> like... If we remade this movie, would you keep the title? My, my... I can't think of a better title off the top yeah, of my head my either. Yeah, my says I, yes. I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's not as synonymous with... You know what I might prostitute. do? I, I might... I legitimately might give it the title something like, Work It. Something else with work, because but I think that's important. But then you expect like a up. dance movie or... That's the problem. But, like... Or, like, working hard or something like that. Because I think, honestly, because it's a movie about work, I think having work in the title makes sense. But, like, Working Girl is, has other meanings now. Secretarial pool. Sec, secret, Temp pool? That sounds dirty. Well, you know, it. I, it is much more of a gig slash temp economy now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's another interesting angle. I made a lot of my money as a temp in New York. I would just mm-hmm. call in every day, and if someone had called out sick, I'd go cover their desk. Mm. It was better. It was easier than waiting tables at times. I wonder if there's a way to work that in as well. The whole idea that because so many of those administrative jobs are temp jobs now. 
Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they don't have to pay insurance. So it's easier yeah. to pay the temp agency fee and not pay the insurance. Well, there's so many, like, it's a legitimate problem with people now, like, that people are just 1099s the mm-hmm. whole time and not W-2. So they're mm-hmm. they're independent contractors as opposed to Call employees. Call them 1099. Could you just call it independent contractor? There you go. You a lot of people I mean... don't know what the tax form is. <laughs> I, oh, really? Do people not know what that is? I don't know. Could you call it temp girl? Temp girl? You might. I'm not opposed to that. Mm. You could also just call it the temp and not necessarily specify gender. I feel like the temp might have... That sounds like a horror movie. You could. Ah, it's the a, temp and if you piss a, her off. It's, it's a climate change thriller. <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> Why is it snowing in May? <laughs> I feel like the temp might also be a title already. It might be. I mean, the, the I, you can also think of things like upward mobility. The Temp, 1993. With Alicia Silverstone? With... What? With uh, Timothy Hutton. Oh. Laura Flynn Boyle. I have so Faye Dunaway. Whoa! <laughs> Say what? And Oliver Platt. We've come full circle. Get wow. out! That's amazing. <laughs> Oliver wow. Platt, you get to stay in. Oliver the new Platt. working girl. <laughs> He's earned it. Uh, he can be the creepy first boss again. That's true. Uh, we'll see if we come up with a with another title as we work through. But let's just let's break into casting. Let's let's start uh, let's start talking about recasting Working Girl. Let's. So, who wants to go first for Tess McGill? I'll do it. <laughs> I like how you well, say that. Cause, well, because both of you were like, uh, well, no. here's the thing. I mine's. I I feel like I can't say. My cast is also sort of interdependent on other casting and of the concept that I have. Great. Talk to us about your concept because yeah, now's the time. I want to hear about this. Yeah, please. Tell us all about the all things. Right. concept is to make it very um, contemporary, dealing with issues um, that are currently in our consciousness today. Uh, and my pitch is to have a mostly African-American cast of Working Girl. I have no problem um, with any of that. And so to not only make it about gender, but also about race and class, and what better way to do that than to update the story to San Francisco oh, and the tech slash made, yeah. uh, media industry. That makes sense. So Tess now lives in Oakland, which is becoming quickly gentrified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she takes the BART every day to San Francisco. I think they just say BART. I oh, have no idea. Oh, not the BART. Because <laughs> I, like, I, I would say the BART, and my sister yeah. who just moved, out, just moved from San Francisco to New York a couple months ago, uh-huh. like I would say the BART, and she's like, it's just BART. <laughs> Taking BART here and there. It's not the BART. That's kind of like, creepy. It's like... If, oh, that is... Yeah, because in Chicago it's the L, I don't the make train, the, the tube. The subway. Yeah. I don't know. So, so, okay. Well, I, there's also a chance I have it backwards. I'll say Bart. I'll say, so she would take Bart <laughs> uh, to San Francisco <laughs> every day and, you know, leave her Oakland world behind for this high-powered venture capitalist world of uh, wheelers and dealers and Soma. So, I like it. I like um, it. So my first, so to answer your question, for Tess, I would cast uh, Issa Rae. 
Ooh. I considered her. Interesting. Because at the end of the day, yeah. even if we go with an all-black cast or go with not an all-black cast, there's no reason why mm. we can't mix it up. Mix it up. Yeah. Which, Which is what I did for. with mm. Aisha D. I don't know who that is. She is an actress on The Bold Type. It's a TV show that I think I'm one of maybe five people who watches. But I love it. It's it's actually a great show that's very similar to Working Girl. It's not similar, but it's what we were talking about earlier. Their boss is so supportive of... It's based on Cosmo magazine. Uh, they have a different title for it. But um, their boss is one of those very supportive women... And it's kind of what you want in that boss. Mm. It's the opposite of what Sigourney Weaver is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She's huh. probably a little young, but I don't... let's find out. Let's see. Aisha D is. I feel like she's probably only like twenty. Is twenty five? Okay. Although I didn't actually pay attention to the age of uh, my actress. No, I oh, know how the they actress. I, oh. Although I think I looked it up. I don't remember. My actress is an actress named Rosa Salazar. Uh, she was kind of the. She's a comedian, actually. Like, she's one of the voice actors on Big Mouth. She's been on Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, she was... You know the movie Alita Battle Angel? Yes. She was the... Okay. Yeah. We're looking up her uh, IMDB profile, for those of you who cannot see what we're doing right now. And for those of you at home, IMDB works just as well as IMDB Pro. Oh, yeah. Rosa Salazar's 33. Um, I did look that up. Because I thought about America Ferrera along those lines. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. similar yeah. idea. Also would have yeah. been good. The yeah. only reason why I wouldn't go with America Ferrera is because she did Ugly Betty for years and years. And that's why mm. I think I had the idea and I was like, oh, I'm literally just stealing other people's casting. <laughs> the reason why I went with Rosa Salazar is because she's one of those people who's kind of just on the cusp of breaking. Like, she was the the, the mocap person for Alita Battle, mm-hmm. Battle Angel, but it wasn't the actual star. Yeah. So she feels like someone who's just about to break. And what I was trying to do with Tess was cast someone who's not quite famous yet. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But this is the movie that would make them famous. And then for Catherine, that's pick someone very famous. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I did. Yeah? Yeah. But before we get to Catherine, let's talk about Tess. Because who, when you're thinking about Tess McNeil, describe that character. Lucky. A go-getter, obviously. Obviously Tenacity. Ten- Ooh, tenacity is a good word. She has a good work ethic, but she has a good sense of humor. There's, I mean, but the fact also, she's busting has, but into also the has and... a, a a bitter streak a little bit. Like, like she doesn't take shit. Like, if someone wrongs her, oh yeah, she wrongs them back and mm-hmm. good. Yeah, some of that I just get is like the native New Yorker in her. I think that's why mm. <laughs> it just sort of goes unnoticed to me. Which I haven't seen Insecure, but the impression that I get from Issa Rae is that she honestly might be too sweet. I, I think could... she can be sassy though. But are we looking for sassy or are we looking for... So here's the other thing. If, if, if we were to do a potential mostly African-American remake, part of the storyline that I might fit in is that Tess... You know, part of Tess in the original Working Girl, she's too Staten Island. She can't mm-hmm. outgrow... You know, she just has that working class background. Maybe... Tess in this version is very quote unquote street. Catherine is much is is not street, and that also brings in some of the racial. You know, is there a quote unquote appropriate way that an African American person needs to act in a business environment? Because I think one of the 
one of the episodes of Insecure actually does deal with like women um, consulting each other, like what is the proper way to act in an office? And is there such a thing as too black or not? So uh, in this version, maybe Tess is a little on the sassier side and the Catherine character is much more quote unquote refined by traditional business standards and tries to impart some of that knowledge onto Tess, but Tess realizes that she might not need that. I can see that. The impression that I got in the relationship between Tess and Catherine when I was watching this movie is that they both are aspiring to be the same sort of person, but for Catherine, it's effortless. She just is that sort of person. Well, because it's been handed to her. Of course. But also, like... It was especially noticeable to me when she was in the hospital. Like, it's just effortless for her to be the center of attention. Everyone loves her. She gets Mm. things done. Whereas Tess has to claw and pull and scrape her way up. She can still pull it off. But obviously she has to go through that transformation thing where she gets rid of one 80s haircut and replaces it with a different 80s haircut. Well, she's literally even taking speech classes. Yeah. And Mm. that's why she's listening to the tape to begin with. Right. In Catherine's apartment. Like, she's trying to imitate the way Catherine dictates the notes. That's what... So... And and a new wardrobe, a new... It's basically... $6,000, and it's not even leather. <laughs> that was a great line. But it's... I mean, you make the joke, but this movie is basically Pretty Woman if oh, yeah. both the dude hiring her and the working girl are mm. the same person. Yeah. yeah. She's like hiring mm. herself to make the change and it's an all or nothing risk. Mm. So I can completely see where you're coming mm. from. Yeah. But it has to be someone who can kind of like t- turn the street on and off. Yeah. I mean, Tess is obviously our main character, so I'm happy to come back to this, especially when we see how she bounces off our Catherine Parker. You went first for uh, la- last one, so I can go first this mm. time. Uh, my Catherine Parker is Emma Watson. So is mine. You're <laughs> shitting me. No, no, it is. I That's know. amazing. <laughs> because and actually, Michelle Dockery. I like. I was writing down a lot of names, and Michelle Dockery, who is on Downton Abbey, and she's also great. I also like, had her, but I was like, and I feel like she's a little too old. I feel like Emma Watson. She hasn't really done anything in a hot sec, and I'd love to see her come back. I mean, she's done a couple of things. She was Beauty and Beauty and the Beast. No, I forgot about that. But I mean, she does a couple other <laughs> things too. I mean, obviously, she doesn't need to work ever again. But huh. the but for Emma Watson, part of the reason why I picked her is because we can start the movie like, oh, she's basically she's Emma Watson. We love her. Oh, she's so nice. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did she just do? Right. Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I like Emma Watson. Yeah. But I mean, I think she'd be good at being conniving in that subtle sort of understated. And I also think she would be fully on board with the feminist message of the movie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love it. Who did you have? Oh, who did I have? Emma Watson. No, I did not have um, (laughs) In in this version, uh, I had Gabrielle Union. Yeah, that's, oh, that's kind yeah. of where, what I thought you were going to say when you, when yeah. you described this. Gabrielle Union would have been my pick for you as well. Nice. Yeah. I love Gabrielle Union. She's great. I love Gabrielle Union too. And the only hesitation I have is she's obviously not the same age as Issa Rae. But I think in this version, it's okay if she's a little bit older yeah. and a little bit more of a mentor I agree. figure. Um, although, how old is Emma Watson? I looked this up too. I looked I it remember. up. I can't remember now. 
Because along those lines... I think I, she's my age. I think... Oh, she's 29. Okay. By the time this movie came out, she would be 30. Yeah. Exactly. She is uh, April 15th, 1990. Mm. Oh. Happy birthday, Emma Watson. Happy birthday. Two months late. But let's go with Emma Watson. That's first pick. And also because that's a sort of coincidence that I can't walk away from. Right? It's great, and I love that. So then let's also I think talk that's about... I I took America Ferreira off my list, because I was like, I can't see them together. That's the thing. It's right. like, who would mm-hmm. pair well with Emma Watson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about our Jack Trainer. Gretchen, you're up. Chris Pine. Interesting. I think he has that playful, boyish quality that Harrison Ford has every so often. Yeah. Like when they're sneaking into the wedding, mm-hmm. he has fun with that, and I think he lets his guard down. I feel like Chris Pine would have a lot of fun playing with it. I don't disagree. I and like if he would take his shirt off. I, and if he would take I his think shirt he would off, have to fight to keep his, I think you'd have to fight to keep his shirt on. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't run a casting I, couch I over here. Come on. I don't know. I, I like Chris Pine. I think Chris Pine's a cool choice. Josh, who did you have? Anthony Mackie. Oh, also great. Oh, Anthony nice. Mackie's great. Yeah. I love Anthony Mackie. For people who don't immediately know who Anthony Mackie is, just tell him to tell us about him. You might have seen him in the latest Avengers Endgame. Where he plays? Oh, God. Uh, Falcon. I wasn't sure if it was Falcon or the other bird person. I wanted, but, like, in my head I was thinking Vulture, but I know it's right. not Vulture because that's uh, that's Michael Keaton. Falcon, yes, Falcon. it is Falcon. Falcon is correct. Yeah. And I think it's also implied that he, spoiler alert, might be taking up, might become the next. Yeah, he's the new Captain America. Captain America. Which right. is awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah it's super cool. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Sorry I'm looking him up, everyone. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I should have pulled up his picture for you. No, it's fine. Yeah. Because along the... I could see Ra- uh, Romani Malko as well. In oh, your... I don't know who that is. I don't either. He's on... It's um, um He's on A Million Little Things now. Oh, he was on Weeds. And But yeah, he was on Weeds. He's done a lot more comedy up until now, and now he's on um on Million Little Things, which is a more dramatic role, and I'm loving him on that. I mean, he's very funny also. Like, he's also a very good comedic actor. I like this guy a lot. Yeah. And watching him play, like, a straight man is fantastic. Is he not one? I mean, I mean comedy-wise. Uh, yes. Not, Got it. not sexual sexuality-wise. Um, <laughs> so, part of the thing about Jack Trainer for me is that, like, when you cast Harrison Ford, you kind of cast, like, oh, who's the sexy actor of the day? Yeah. Because you kind of want that, but you also want to see that person being highly competent. Well, and you also just and got funny. all the guys. And funny. You Absolutely. got all the guys to take their girlfriends. Like, sure, I'll go see that. And here's what's interesting mm. about Working Girl. First name in the credits, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you, you Harrison could... Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Melanie Griffith. Movie Cause... Working Girl. And then mm. they get into the other credits. I was like, whoa, holy crap. It's called it... Working Girl, and the first name is Harrison Ford. Well, you know. 80s. At least start with Sigourney Weaver, because she was a name. So the studio did not want Melanie Griffith cast, because she wasn't a big enough box office draw. Oh. And I believe the only way that they agreed to her casting was if the other two were big box office. Were Han mm-hmm. Solo and right. Zena from the Ghostbusters. Or, or a- the Ripley from, from Alien. Alien. There's that too, but I didn't grow up watching that. I grew up watching Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like scary movies. Ghostbusters is my threshold. Oh, oh. <laughs> I do like Ghostbusters. Um, but the <laughs> the but with that in mind, I was kind of going with, like, it needs to be someone where the guys are going to bring the girlfriends. Like, yeah. something mm-hmm. 
with that pull. I'll go see Han Solo in a movie. That's sure. the thing. As long as we're playing Star Wars, yeah, Oscar Isaac. Oh dear! Woo! Yeah. I'm uh, fanning myself, y'all. I love Oscar Richard Isaac. Richard is actively fanning herself right now. He's dreamy. I do love him. When he... Spoiler alert uh, to anyone who's not caught up on your Star Wars stuff. When he was, like, almost dead in the one movie, I was really... I was devastated. <laughs> I'm like, you can't kill the hot guy right away. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Which one Which one is he? Say his name. He's, he's Poe po Dameron. He's the pilot. Okay. He's a BB-8. He, he and BB-8 are BFFs. Are they? Oh, BB-8. The little oh, droid. Oh, yeah, BB-8 was his droid. Yeah. Forgot about that. I just assumed that it was... I mean, there's the... the Oh, well, are, are, he, are Finn and Poe... No, not that. I'm talking about his droid. <laughs> they, they can involve the droid. Um, who am I to judge? Uh, uh, Good point. Good point. Working droid. What? Working droid. <laughs> but that's why I thought Oscar Isaac would be fun. Because, A, he's a great actor. Because he's also, like, an ex machina and stuff. But also because, like... He, you're pulling the attractive guy from Star Wars again. Yeah, and I feel like there's enough girls who would also, like, he's a draw to women. 100% he is, and if you want to get people to come see the movie, you put the sexy dude of the day in it. Yeah, there you go. And there then you, you go. have him be funny, which he of course is, because he's funny in Star Wars. Yeah, he is mm. funny in Star Wars. And that's why I thought Oscar Isaac would be fun. I like that. I like that casting. What I would say, though, is if we go with Oscar Isaac for Jack, I do think we should go with Oh, uh, Issa Rae? Issa Rae. I think Issa Rae for Tess, like Issa Rae, Emma Watson, Oscar Isaac, would that, would those three work on the Working Girl poster for you? Sure. Like when you look at, when you look at this poster. I would have photoshopped this if I had known. Like we've got Emma Watson, Issa Rae, Oscar Isaac, perhaps with names in a different order. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if it were me, I would flip these two because, ah, it's pulling the different arms. Ah, I don't mm. care. Yeah. But, like, does that work for you? Because those are our big three. Huh. Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, would you guys update any other aspects of the story? I'm not opposed to putting it in San Francisco. I We can have that conversation in a minute. Uh, it's just, I mean, I'm up for updating lots of the story because Emma Watson is also very much indicative of high end versus quote unquote low end. Just having a British accent to begin with. Also, yes. Although, and Oscar Isaac also kind of walks that line. Yeah. Like he is of that world, but isn't or doesn't have to be. And so... That means that we're pulling a little bit away from Josh's pitch, which I do like. I like the the idea of it being like what it means to be a modern working black woman. I I think mm-hmm. that that's yeah good. I don't think you need to be in a exclusively black cast to have that conversation because mm-hmm. I think that you can have that conversation. And again, we'll get into it when we talk about uh, who we cast for Sin because. I think I got the right one, guys. It's fine. I think um, I got the right one for this. Oh, all right, we'll see. Yeah. Because, but I honestly think it'll be come down to that relationship. Because I think yes. that's the relationship that because mm-hmm. Sin is who Tess could be, but she wants to be more than that, and mm-hmm. it's all about how that affects their relationship. But also, because Tess could very easily that would be just coasting, literally just to coast. She could do Sin's job. What Sin has, oh, yeah, and. 
but the, but that's not enough for her. She wants more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she sees these really good jobs and she's like, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. she should be able to get that. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's where your the ideal lies. Right. And I think it'll we'll see when it comes up. Says so you might be right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe, Maybe I'm right. will be right, but we'll see. Maybe we all pick the same one. I mean, I don't know we that that happens because mine's for sure white. Mine's white, but gender bender. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, so we're gonna have three very different sins. All right. So, but for our main three, let's do Issa Rae, Emma Watson, Oscar Isaac. Okay. And then, do you want to talk about sin now? Sure. I went for the gay best friend, Michael mm-hmm. Yuri. He was on Ugly Betty. He's been on Younger. Which Josh is on and I are both now. looking up who this oh, is. Oh, I love Michael Yuri. It's U-R-I-E. No, I haven't seen with a lot of this. I don't think I've seen this guy at all. What? How? I love him. I've always loved his work. I'm looking at everything he's done. This is the mind-blowing reaction I was hoping for, everyone. Oh, <laughs> I've never watched The Good Fight. I've never watched Younger. I've never watched After Forever. Oh, you wouldn't like Younger. It's a girl show. I, I haven't. I've watched like, I don't the first know if that's an appropriate comment of, given <laughs> it's fine. the nature of I haven't it. really ever watched Modern Family. I watched the first few episodes and I was like, this isn't for me. I've never seen anything that he's, he's been in. He's fantastic on Ugly Betty. I'm sure he's great. I actually had like callbacks for Ugly Betty and my scene would have been with him while he was wow. in it. I wouldn't have actually talked to him. I was so excited. And then they went older and I looked too young. Oh. I was age appropriate, but the baby face didn't work. Well, anyway. there are worse, reason, worse reasons not to get a job. I know. Yes. It's a blessing and a curse. But yes, Michael uh, Yuri is my pick for... I went. I thought it'd be fun. Like if she has the, I'm not opposed to that, that gay friend. That's just like oh, hon- and then he can help her with the transformation. Like you know, I see where you're going with this, and maybe mm-hmm. he drops the bridge and tunnel wardrobe on himself and whatever. Bridge and tunnel wardrobe? Oh, it's a New York thing. So like, there's Manhattan, and then there's the bridge and tunnel crowd. Because to get to Manhattan, you have to take a bridge or a tunnel or a ferry or a ferry. Interesting. And so you could tell who the bridge and tunnel crowd... It's like the suburbs versus the city kind Got of it. mentality. I understand. Yeah. Valley versus... Or valley, valley versus... versus city yeah. of Los Angeles. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, the impl- <laughs> <laughs> You're going to New York soon. You'll learn quickly. You'll be like, oh, bridge and tunnel, bridge and tunnel. I, le- I legitimately will have no idea. I cannot... I'm so bad at determining... Like, unless it's real obvious, like, they're wearing a fur. Like, I really have a hard time determining, like... Oh, my favorite game is to go to Hollywood and guess tourist or local. And if they're a tourist, I usually can guess within, like, 500 miles of where they're from. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I Like, I they're from lose. France, and I might... They may be or not from France. Maybe they're from, like, the next country over. But I'm usually pretty accurate. Whatever one of those other countries over there. Yeah. And where's France again? Europe. Oh, that's right. Uh. That's right. All right. So... It's an interesting idea. I do like that we have three wildly different people for Sin. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. She's the funnest character. I was going to say, world. you can't top John, Joan Cusack. Like, or oh, you Joan can. Cusack is Joan. amazing. Yeah, not John. Amazing. So let me tell you about my Sin. My Sin is Kat Dennings. Ooh. She'd basically be doing the same part. That's, you know, that's the bit. It's kind of it's yeah. kind of a one for one. Like the, like the idea of, of who the character of Sin is in the original, that's kind of the idea of what Kat Dennings can portray now. Mm-hmm. Kat Dennings, again, would be someone who I presume would be on board with, like, the feminist message and also would be, like, like just having fun, just making jokes, cracking wise, doing mm-hmm. the thing. Like, yeah. 
basically the role she played when she was in the two Thor movies. So it's not necessarily a stretch for her artistically, but I think it's a role that I think she would be good at. I agree. Yeah. And so that's why in terms of what the movie is now, I think she's kind of the ideal sin because that is who sin is. Yeah. But I'm really interested to hear Josh's. Well, I think my sin is also sort of a archetype, archetype, archetype. Thank you. Nothing wrong with that. And especially could play well off of Issa Rae. I went with Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, that's who I thought you were going to go with. It is kind of the obvious It is. And again, Tiffany Haddish is great. Amazing. Yes. Yes. She's in how many movies right now? (laughs) Everything except Aladdin, I think. And Uh, she might be. (laughs) uh, Who knows? Yeah, she could be parrot number three for all I know. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm perfectly happy to go with Tiffany Haddish if you're perfectly happy to go with Tiffany Haddish. I'm okay with Tiffany Haddish because I feel like Tiffany Haddish and... Issa Rae together. I agree. And that's, that. I like Kat Dennings, but I would like Kat Dennings with a different test. Right. Well, I mean. Mm. Holy crap. This is why I'm not a working actor. <laughs> I just don't work well with anyone. <laughs> no, not I'm true. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, like, I think, I think you're right. I think Tiffany Haddish is the correct way to go, especially if we want to have the idea of what it means to be a modern working black woman. Yeah. And then to have the friend back home. Right. Yeah. Who's still rooted in. Yeah. The old Oakland. Yes. Yes. Good. So then now, let's talk about Gretchen's most difficult casting, which is uh, Mick. I had the worst time with this, and I don't know why. Do you want to tell us who you had, or do you want to save it for last? No, I finally, I only really came up with one actor, and I'm not 100% on board with it, especially now that I've heard everything else, but Milo Ventimiglia, This Is Us. Gilmore Girls. Wait, sorry. Say his name again? Milo Ventimiglia. Maybe I'm saying it incorrectly. That is very possible. Oh, Ventimiglia, maybe? Well, I... He kind of has that Alec Baldwin... Oh, the the dude from Heroes? Yeah, the dude from Heroes. He's also on Gilmore Girls that was on for years. I'm I'm sure it's very good. And This Is Us, which is like the number one drama. Because actually there's some people from This Is Us that I was going to say for Josh. Again, those were all words that probably got picked up by the mic very well. I wasn't as confident in that, which is why I did that on purpose. I know. It drives me nuts when people do that. I mean, he he's, again, a very one-for-one. I could 100% see him being this character. I could, too. He was yeah. actually also in a Rocky movie. But yeah, he was the guy from Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> My Mick. I went with an actor who... The reason why I picked him is because I part of me thought it was funny. Uh, and part of me is like, I. one of the things is, it's just the dumb stereotype in my own head and it's probably my own prejudice. But when I saw the way Alec Baldwin was like portraying and like behaving, I was like, oh, he's going to cheat on her. That's who this guy is. Well, yeah. And it sort of always annoys me in these sorts of things where oh, well, this thing is, why do I have to choose between these two people? And it's like, oh, the person I was really into is dating this other guy. You mean like luckily, every Hallmark movie? Yeah. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily he cheated on her and now she's available. Or like, oh, no, I'm dating some guy, but I also like this other guy. Oh, luckily he cheated on me, so now I'm available. Mm-hmm. And that drives me nuts. So, like, just because it's like, it's, it's every too... Every Hallmark movie. It, it, it's it's every Hallmark movie. Except usually it's that, like, he ends up getting in a fight with the dad or something yeah. stupid. But it, it, and that always seems too easy. So I wanted to pick someone who, 
he could end up cheating on her. It's fine, whatever. Make it whatever Hallmark movie you want. But you, but you don't immediately think he's going to. Yeah. So I went with Andrew Garfield. Oh. Oh. Because it's like, yeah. You you look at him and you're like, you're you're. He could no. be a jerk, but not cheat on her. Yeah. And there's a difference. Exactly. Yeah. He'd be a jerk, not cheat on her, but it could also just as easily just be like that dude who you like. No, no, she's as good as he's ever going to do, and he knows that. Well, I think that's why I went with Milo, because on This Is Us, his character is just, you know, it's like ideal husband material. Is he actually? Yes, just very dreamy. Like, it's literally, I'm like, oh, this is what I want in husband. Okay. That's fair. I did not know that. So, So thank you, This Is Us. (laughs) Yeah, I think Andrew Garfield can do um, possibly... He has, like, a a natural arrogance about him, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That works well. He does. I've waited on him. Oh. Now, can that still be in the show, or...? I don't know. That's fine. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. We're not going to say where. We're not going to say where he's going to be. (laughs) I'm not that creepy. (laughs) On July 7th, at 3.43 p.m., tuck in, listeners, because Uh. this is happening. (laughs) Anyway, uh... (laughs) Josh, who did you have for Mick? Mine was also a little bit of one-to-one. Kevin Hart. Okay. Okay. <laughs> ah. It's funny because I was in my head, I'm like, I kind of want someone who's more funny than even my choice. I yeah. don't know why. It's like, I feel like there's some comic relief to be had with him a little more. But I also kind of like your choice because if we're doing this as a comedy and he's not a comedian, yeah. it, he clearly doesn't fit in this world, but it's just like... they're. Feel like they're stuck together. For what? Oh, okay. I, uh, here's the thing. Kevin Hart's mm. great. He's an he's an incredible box office pull. But you look at him and he's Kevin Hart. You he doesn't disappear right. in the role. It's like, oh, that's Kevin Hart. Cool. Yeah, agreed. We had to look up who Milo uh, Ventimiglia is. I would go with Milo <laughs> over Andrew Garfield. Like mm. right now, I would 100 percent go with Gretchen's pick. Mm-hmm. If that's yeah. okay, yeah, I would. Okay, yeah. Do you hear that? You've got an imaginary son. job, son. <laughs> Which leaves me, I only have two other roles cast. I didn't do any more roles. So you're done. Josh, did you have anyone else? Uh, I think I'm also done. So then let me tell you about the two other, two and a half other roles that I have. I'm going to start with Lutz, who was the, oh yeah, who, you know, yeah. the pimp at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Our favorite. Yeah. I wanted to go with Nick Frost. I don't know who that is. I'm going to pull him up. He is, he's in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and those movies. Yeah, yeah. And he's British, but that's not as relevant. He's just a funny guy and he's kind of, he kind of fits into the same mold as, I'm blanking on the name of the actor that we really like. Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt. He kind of fits that same mold now. Yeah. And part of the reason why I think we could set up this joke that would be funny, would kind of be an inside joke, is... The person we cast for the Kevin Spacey role could be Simon Pegg. Oh, oh. that would be funny. <laughs> because it's the two of them together. And yes. It's like, no, are you trying to set me up with someone? No, no, I'm not trying to set you up with anyone. But he's a friend of yours. He's a really good friend of mine. Simon Pegg. Yeah. And it's just a great inside joke of just the two of, like, uh, Nick Frost is always trying to set uh, Simon Pegg up with people. That's and I just funny. find that funny. Like that. that is funny. I like that. So, because I wrote it because and then makes Simon, dude, Simon Pegg, the dude he hooks her up with. Because jokes. And also, I'm a hack. Because <laughs> oh, uh, Simon Pegg could very much do the the, Kevin the creepy, role. yeah. Oh yeah, so easily. And then the other person I had was Trask, the big boss guy. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. wondering. I kind of thought about 
The person that I have for that is Gary Cole, who is kind yes. of the, the central casting idea of who a big boss is. Yes. But one of the things I really like about Gary Wait, Cole... I gotta bring him up. Bring him up. He's, he's, uh, Mr. Brady. Oh, yes. he's also the dude in Office Space. That yes. Goes, mm, can you come right. in on Sunday? Can you come in? When are you going to have those TPS reports? That guy. Right, right. Because he kind of represents the, the classic American idea. This dude looks like he'd be the boss and CEO of something. But at the end of the day, I also... My understanding is that he's a nice guy. He's a reasonable guy. And I always like when there's kind of that turn of like... The dude who you think is going to be the hard-ass boss. And like, oh, no, you make a good argument. I'm on your side. Yeah. it's That's not what happens because that's not what reality is. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world, it would be great. And so that's what Hollywood to represent. An ideal world. <laughs> oh, I'd be down for him. But th- that's why I had him. I like that. Cool. So that brings us to writer and director. Unless either of you had a writer slash director. No, I didn't do that. Oh, you didn't do that part either. I didn't know that was... I'm sorry. I failed the assignment, everyone. That's okay. Partial well, credit. No, I, I actually did not put a name down, but I'm thinking of some right now. Actually, the writer, I would say my friend Sarah Watson. We're not super close, but yeah, my friend Sarah, she has been a writer on the TV show Parenthood, and uh, she was on the first season of The Bold Type, which is similar to what we were just saying with Working Girl there's like a similar theme i think she'd be able to capture probably i'm a fan of her work that's good i'm, I'm glad that you were a fan of your friend <laughs> it just helps that i know her but uh okay yeah. you know if, if, uh, if we do go with Issa ray who is a writer in her own right oh yeah i wonder if she could she probably would be a good writer for yeah. this as well yeah. yeah i'm not opposed to that either the writer that i have in mind is Kay cannon Kay Cannon was a writer on 30 Rock. She was a she wrote the Pitch Perfect movies and she wrote the movie Blockers. Okay. So she can speak the language of modern comedy. She might be a little bit more frenetic and than we want for Working Girl, but we know she's funny, we know she can write for women, and I think that's important. And I also think it's important to note that she has had two Famous female bosses. What? Huh. Tina Fey on 30 Rock. Uh, That's what I was just thinking. And Elizabeth Banks on Pitch Perfect. Because Elizabeth uh, Banks produced those movies. Interesting. And then directed the second two. So Kay Cannon that was working a good... for a stronger woman. And so she'd kind of have an idea of what that was like. So and I'm sure she has stories. I'll throw I'm another sure. name in. Uh, Carly Mench. Tell me about Carly Mench. Carly Mench uh, was a, and I believe still is, a writer slash creator on, of Glow. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, nice. As well as Nurse Jackie and Weeds. And those are all very, you know, comedies that still have a serious message underneath. Weeds and Nurse Jackie for sure. Um, so that might be a good match too. I like the idea of Carly Mench actually. I really like that. I like both of your ideas. Hmm... Well, would your would yours also be able to direct? No, I have a separate director. Okay. Who do you have for a director? My director is a woman named Gail Mancuso. She she won an Emmy for Modern Family for directing Ah, Modern Family. Okay. She directed Man with a Plan, and her most recent movie is uh, Dog's Journey, which ugh. Did you say woof? I I should have, and now I'm sad I didn't. (laughs) Full marks to Josh. But the reason why I picked her is because she clearly is a very good director. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like she just hasn't been given good projects because she's been mm. given a dog's journey. I mean, come on. Like, I don't right. know. The, tra- the trailer made my mom cry, and she is not a dog person, so... The trailer makes everyone in that movie look like an insane person. Oh. Uh, but, like, the woman has an Emmy. And she clearly knows how to direct comedy. She knows how to direct both men and women. And I think she does a good job. And so I think that this would be a good... Op- like, this is the one of those things where Hollywood says, you're a good director. Direct this. Yeah. Mm. And so that's why I thought she would be a good person for that. I like that. And also because it was important to me that both my writer and director be female. Because, again, it's working girl. I like right. that. That makes sense. Yeah. Which oh. makes the director that just came up to me, in my mind, not work, but Paul Feig. Because he's good with, he likes the strong female yeah, characters yes. and all that. Yeah. So. The reason why I would encourage a female t- director is because one of the things that was really weird about, it took me out of the movie, I didn't mind. But it took me a little bit out of the movie uh, from, who's the director of it now? Why can't I think Mike of it? Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols is... And it was very much the language of the 80s, but there's a lot of gratuitous nudity in this movie. In Working Girl? Yeah. Well, she does vacuum it, and naked in her pumps. Yeah, she vacuums she's naked. In underwear. She is she's, in her underwear. If there's she's, a heat wave, sometimes that's what you gotta do, y'all. <laughs> she vacuums naked. She is standing, talking to Sin while she's trying on things in just panties, no bra. She's in a bra? There's a couple, she's topless in a couple of different scenes. She saw this in Harrison Ford's bed. Yeah, that's the only time I remember I'm gonna, her I'm going to say it this way. Trust the only one of us here talking who's into women. <laughs> she, I saw her boobs a bunch. <laughs> it is a porn <laughs> title. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like it was a little... Obviously, it didn't take you two out of the movie, but... No. I wasn't listening to anything that was being said when that was happening. When you were looking at Melanie Griffith's tits. 100%. <laughs> and I'm like, look... Again, very much comedy of the 80s, language of the 80s movie, and I don't think that would happen now anyway, mm-hmm. but I want to avoid kind of like male gazy stuff. Right. Intentional or not. And so that's why I kind of wanted a female the director. The boys came for Harrison Ford and Melanie Griffith's tits. Come on. Like, the girls came for all the rest. That's how that went back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't want that to be the case anymore. I know, I know. <laughs> well, I, I'll also throw in the name uh, Olivia Wilde. Who just, just because, because of, she did Booksmart. Booksmart. Because she did Booksmart. You know, obviously she has not directed a lot. I believe before Booksmart, she did mostly music videos. Um, I mean, it's Olivia Wilde, the actress, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Tell you what. I get one and you get one. Who would you pick? Carly Mensch or Olivia Wilde? Carly Mensch. Good. Yeah. So we've got Carly Mensch writing and Gail Mancuso directing. Fair enough? Yeah. And also, I like Carly Mensch because her last name ends in S-C-H, and that appeals to me. To the Jew in you. <laughs> Absolutely. Gash. And also, the just, you know, the gash in me. I, there are just so few people with an S-C-H, and I want to support them. You could be first I have a cousins. T-C-H. And I appreciate it. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> not Jewish. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Uh, I had so many notes, but I didn't refer to any of them. So there's just one last thing I want to do before I give us our rundown. And it's because we are coming to the edge. We're running on the water, coming through the fog. <laughs> Your sons and daughters. Let wow. the river run. Are, are we going to be singing this at the end Let of the all show? the dreamers walk the nation. Come. I printed out the whole song. 
the new Jerusalem. No lie, it's on my phone. I own the song. I, I love w- this. I <laughs> never heard of this it's song before so I watched this movie. <laughs> but I kept like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna be talking about Working Girl, and then the person would just start singing the song. I'm like, I don't get what you're referencing. I think the first time I sang the song to you, and you had no idea. Yeah, yeah we were, we were at writing group, and like you just yes. started singing. Like two other people in writing group just started chiming in, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. And you were like, You'll see. And I'm yeah. like, I guess. But yeah. So do we do we get to choose who does the theme song? I was gonna say, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about theme song? Sure, why not? Let's talk about theme song. I didn't prepare for that, so I didn't either. Did well, you... I didn't prepare for like the last third of this. You're so. doing great, Rich. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm glad I showed up, y'all. <laughs> uh, but, but okay, so you're the one with Carly Simon on your phone. Who would you have do the theme song? Ooh, Lin Manuel Miranda would write it. He did the song for Moana. He did a lot of songs in Moana. Well, the one that makes me cry the most <laughs> is the one that he wrote. You're welcome. How far I'll go? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a good song, mm. right? Yeah, it's also on my power playlist with Carly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I could see him writing it. I don't know about vocals, but I could see something like that because he also does the hip hop stuff. You, you, I'm I'm aware. I know of... you're aware of it. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't want to. I'm clarifying for anyone out there listening. Who I feel like Lin Manuel Miranda is famous enough that everyone knows who he is. Although, uh, if I'm being honest, I would be surprised if, like, I I'm sure there are people who don't. I'm sure that yeah. Do you, and you would prefer to have a male songwriter for Working Girl? A girl could sing it. Sure, sure, sure. Just singing a man's words. Wow. <laughs> His name is relatively feminine. Lynn Manuel. <laughs> Lynn. It's true. Miranda. There you go. Yeah, it's first true. and last name. So we just switch them around. He's Mar- gonna hear Miranda this and Lynn. hate me. <laughs> That's so Blacklist Gretchen. If he wrote it. Oh, Sarah Barillis could write it. Who'd you have, Josh? <laughs> you wanted a woman. I know, I know. She I wrote, just, I'm just messing with you. Oh, man. I'm getting shade over here. She did great. I like um, her. <laughs> what about, I don't know who's songwriter yet, but for singer. I, I like the idea of the song being written by Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh, Alicia Keys. Oh, I like her. If you're both happy, like, I'm going to leave this entirely up to you, too. Oakland! (laughs) Concrete jungle. And you do want to... Let's hear it for Oakland, Oakland. And then MC Hammer does the, like, rap break in the middle. MC Hammer. You have it written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh. He can do I'm, the rap break. I'm I'm riffing on his, the Alicia Keys. She writes as well. I thought he was saying Alicia Keys is a writer. MC Hammer's from Oakland. I'm I've been oh, obsessed with that, that for either. years. I spent a whole weekend in San Francisco asking my friends when we would see MC Hammer. <laughs> they hated wow. me. Good. I'm glad was, you did that. Wow. I was just being a dick at a certain point. I really knew we oh. were never going to see him. All right. Amazing. Um, so let's. So did, we ever come, back. <laughs> did we ever come up with a new name for Working Girl? Because there isn't really another right. name for it. Uh, well, and it's just, it's such a famous movie. I yeah. mean, and again, I totally had heard of it before you two brought it up. I'd never heard of it before you two brought it Silicon up. Silicon Valley wow. Girl. What? I'd never heard of it. I'm sorry. You never heard of the movie at all? At all. It was, I literally had nothing. Wow. Wow. So I went in with nothing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, working girl. Tess temp McGill. Pool. What? We had temp pool at one point. We did. I'm going to still leaving it as working girl. Uh, okay. I'm fine with working girl. Okay. Yeah. 
I didn't know if we were still riffing on that. Sorry. No. no, no. Uh, <laughs> yes, and? Yeah, yes. We agree with everything that Gretchen says. <laughs> uh, uh, we have Tess McGill being played by Issa Rae. Catherine Parker being played by Emma Watson. Jack Trainer is Oscar Isaac. Gretchen fanned herself again. <laughs> Mick Dugan will be Milo Ventimiglia. Uh, Sin will be Tiffany Haddish. Lutz will be Nick Frost, who will be pimping for his friend Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Trask, the big boss guy, is going to be Gary Cole. All of this will be written by Carly Mensch and d- directed by Gail Mancuso, with a theme song written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and performed by Alicia Keys. Gretchen, Josh, would you two go see this movie? I think I totally would, actually. I would go see it at the Arclight, where it's five times the price of a normal movie theater. <laughs> so... Thank you both for being guests on this podcast. Go plugs go. Talk about stuff that you want to promote. What do you want what do you want to shamelessly plug that doesn't happen within the next month? Like social media, that sort of thing. Other projects. You can find out what I'm up to at GretchenCrawl.com and that's crawl K-R-U-L-L, just like the Liam Neeson movie in the eighties. Boom. I, I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be performing somewhere in LA. Twitter, Instagram. You know, I'm still a Luddite and I don't have a friggin' Twitter account yet. What? Do you have an Instagram account? I don't have an Instagram account. Nothing wrong and with I, that. And I'll tell you why. I'm actually, and I've been told that I really do need one, and I do, but tangent, I just like don't like the idea of curating a perfect life through photographs, which is why I've been um, hesitant for both, well, mostly for Instagram. Particularly, no one's requiring you to be an Instagram model. We're just asking you to be you, yeah. the best version of you, Mine's the Photoshop version of what? My Instagram's pretty real, and then yeah. I have the My Life Is a Joke, which is like for my web series and my comedy more, where I just make fun of the stupid stuff that I see. Uh huh. Do you want to tell us about that? I would love to tell you about that. <laughs> my Life Is a Joke. Um, it's a little web series I did. It's also found on my website, GretchenCrawl.com. It's on YouTube. I think all my social media is straight up just Gretchen Crawl, and then the My Life Is a Joke is. My Life is a Joke series on Instagram? <laughs> I'm looking this up. I don't even know my own handle. <laughs> <laughs> While Gretchen is looking that up. Oh, I actually did just start a YouTube channel. Oh, tell us about I it. I only have one thing on it right now, but I do a, a uh, commercial parody on it that I wrote. Yeah, I've seen that commercial parody. It's great. It's very funny. Oh, I want to see this. What's the YouTube channel? I'm looking it up right now. I think it's... I might have to change it. The name of it. <laughs> What's the name it's, of it right it's now? It's Joshua Kaufman. Oh, nothing wrong with that. That's K-O-F-F-M-A-N. Gretchen, did you find... Uh, it what? is my Life is a Joke series on Instagram. Great. I, the dumbest shit happens to me, people. It's just all there on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> I saw a squirrel that was dead and it was wrapped up in like a kimono. I don't know. What? I didn't take I, a picture of the squirrel. I just talked about it. Uh, I should have taken a picture. Because it felt weird to take a picture of the deceased. I respect all life. Oh. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, it's Ideal Remake, spelled like it sounds. Or you can follow us on Facebook, which is Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. We would love it if you subscribed. We would love it if you left a review, a five-star review, preferably, but be true to yourself. (laughs) But honestly, the best thing you could do for the podcast is... If you could tell one friend about it this week, that would do 
so much help for me and for us because I like doing this podcast and I'd like to keep doing this podcast. So please tell everyone about it and write in with movies you think that we should do because I'm always Ooh, open yeah. to new ideas. Oh, like an audience pick? That's kind of fascinating. Yeah, Ooh, I'm gonna, I will yeah. do that actually. So I, I want audience people to write in and say, hey, here's the movie we think you should do. Because I have taken some of those before and we've done them. Or I've said, we did that. It's episode blah, 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 blah. But please, write in. I, I want to know what you what movies you think we should talk about. Yeah. I would totally love to do that again. Or do that the first time. <laughs> you, Sam. <laughs> so, yeah. So, again, thank you both very much for being guests. And uh, I just want to leave you with let the river run. Let all the dreamers dreamers wake the nation. I'm just gazing out over the ocean. (laughs) Come the The new Jerusalem. Jerusalem.